Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the Love Times 2 podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about two recent polls and what they might mean when it comes to a proper view of where the American culture is at right now on the topic of abortion. And the culture, again, it's the hearts and minds of the people. That's what the culture means. And I just find it very interesting that with all of these cultural tipping points being reached in so many areas, this is one area in which Americans, by and large, remain enormously conflicted. And you're probably tired of hearing me say that on the podcast, but it's true. And it's very significant, and it's not something we want to just blow right past. In my estimation, both of these polls that we're going to talk about make the point better than I can, just giving my opinion on it. So we're going to jump in and look at these polls and talk about some of the questions that they ask and how Americans responded to it. Now, the first poll was commissioned by the Knights of Columbus, and it's called American Opinions on Abortion. Straightforward title, right? And it was made public in January. Hats off to the Knights of Columbus. They do this poll every single year, and it's enormously helpful in identifying trends that we all need to be very much aware of. So what did this poll reveal? We're going to run through questions, and I'm going to give you my key takeaway, just a 50,000-foot level, okay? When asked to align with one side of the abortion debate, the majority of Americans identified as pro-choice. The term of this poll, not the term that I'm that I would normally use, okay? But the majority of Americans identified as pro-choice. Over 53% said they were pro-choice, and in the same poll, 53% said they were pro-life. 4% said they didn't know. Key takeaway of this, 40% of the independents politically who identified as independent responded as pro-life. They represent the area that is persuadable on this issue. 40% of independents, politically independent, said they identified as pro-life. Next up, three-quarters of Americans, including, this is really important, including the majority of people who said they were pro-choice, they want significant restrictions on abortion. Three-quarters of Americans, including the majority of people who said they were pro-choice, they still want significant restrictions on abortion. Only 15% support abortion anytime, anywhere, anyhow. What's the key takeaway of this? This is where reality sets in and where the semantics of the term, quote-unquote, pro-choice, begin to really emerge. I'm just going to tell you a story about a focus group I was involved with as an example of where this question is going or what it means or what the context is. Two years ago, I was a part of a focus group, part of observing a focus group, I should say, in which a neutral moderator was just leading a panel of 16 people, 25 to 40 years old. The group uh, was roughly split, I think, uh, between men and women. Actually, I think it was eight and eight. And in this focus group, if you've ever watched one of these things, basically everybody sits in a room, a moderator leads a discussion, and what you're looking for is what are the terms they're using, what their body language is, uh, all sorts of different things. Very interesting. And in fact, I was in the viewing gallery, which that's an interesting experience because you sit behind a one-way mirror, basically, and you're watching this focus group take, take place. All of the participants know that there are people watching it. You know, it's kind of fun to observe and see how people respond without feeling like, you know, they have to say a certain thing. And that's what the key to a good moderator is. But I'm getting off the point. In this focus group, what we kept hearing time and time and time again out of almost everybody in the group was that uh, abortion is a gray area. It's, It's not something that I can tell others what they can do. Everybody's story is different. Who am I to say? All this sort of stuff 
just kept emerging from the group and its general discussion. Well, the focus group took a break, and as they took a break, the moderator came into the room and said, is there anything that I'm not asking that I should be asking? And I said, yeah. I said, I'd really like to probe a little bit. I hear a lot of this about abortion is a gray area, can't tell people what to do, and so forth. And I said, so I'd really like to know uh, what their reaction is if we're talking about abortion in the ninth month of pregnancy. And so when the uh, group reconvened after the break, came back into the room, and that question was presented to them. And I'm telling you, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. The same group of 16 people that just 15 minutes earlier had been talking about it being you know, a moving target. We can't identify what's right or what's wrong. That's up to individual people and so forth. Uh, as the, the late-term abortion in the ninth month of pregnancy was put on the table in that focus group, you could have heard a pin drop. And then I'm watching body language, and I'm seeing arms that get folded across the chest, you know, in that defensive posture. And the group that got the angriest about that question actually was the group of women. And the group of women got really upset by this. And I I remember one uh, woman that just said, look, you know, ninth month of pregnancy, uh, what's wrong with adoption? Why isn't adoption being considered at that point? And they just they reacted very, very strongly. And the fascinating part of all of this, again, was that the same group had just been talking about, basically, there's no absolute right or wrong in in, uh, any type of abortion decision. And yet, when a pregnancy and a baby in the ninth month of that pregnancy was presented to them, they were asked, do you have any issue with this? Everybody in the room had an issue with it. So that just tells me that the term pro-choice is something that there's a lot of semantics that's being played with that. Now, we got a little bit too deep in the weeds on that. I, I get it for one episode, so we need to move on. Here we go. We're going to move on. Nearly six in 10 Americans oppose using our tax dollars to pay for abortions. It came out exactly to 58%. 58% strongly oppose taxpayer funding of abortion. Now, there was 38% that strongly support using taxpayer funding to pay for abortions. Key takeaway, Americans by and large don't want the money we earn to be sent to the government to be used in killing children. It's really that simple. And to the 38%, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? 38%, you have no problem with using our hard-earned tax dollars to pay for abortions. Next up, three out of four Americans don't want tax dollars to pay for abortions overseas. Notice how that jumped up there? I mean, three and four. What I just mentioned, it was 58% strongly opposed taxpayer funding of abortion domestically. When we start to talk about overseas abortions, Suddenly, that jumps up to 77% say they don't want our tax dollars to pay for abortions overseas. Key takeaway, I don't get, I don't get the 38% funding of domestic abortions dropping down to 19% here. But the bigger picture is, that, and again, 38% of the same audience said no problem with taxpayer funding of abortions in America was cut in half when it's talking about exporting our abortions, uh, abortion dollars overseas. I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand what's happening with that. But the bigger picture is that 77% of Americans don't want their tax dollars used to pay for overseas abortions. And by the way, to the 77%, that's exactly what's happening right now, that the Mexico City policy 
has been chopped, being taxpayer funding that's going overseas. And I know people will say, no, that's government funds that's going overseas. The government has no funding except in tax dollars, okay? So let's just get that really clear on that. We don't want to get into the whole uh, taxpayer and taxation issue and all that kind of stuff. We could, and that would make an interesting discussion, but I just want to be really clear about this. Unrestricted uh, dollars are going overseas, and they're going to be used to pay for abortions because this policy, known as the Mexico City policy, used to have restrictions on how American tax dollars could be used overseas regarding abortion. Those restrictions no longer exist. Again, just want to be really clear about it. But here's another thing that, just to get our heads around, these tax dollars, they're not only used to destroy kids, but to pay for abortions in countries with abusive policies towards women and abusive policies like one-child policies that should make every every single one of us recoil. It sort of gives a brand new term to ugly American. When we come into nations around the world, nations that mistreat and abuse women and then use our tax dollars to force them to have abortions in many of these situations. Moving on. Next up, 70% of Americans oppose abortion if it's being done because the baby will be born with Down syndrome. They specifically ask in this poll the question about babies with Down syndrome. 70% of Americans oppose abortion if it's being done for that reason. My key takeaway, shame on the 30% who say it's okay to end the life of a baby for no other reason than the fact that that baby has Down syndrome or is even suspected of having Down syndrome. We all hear this talk every day about inclusion and diversity and compassion. We just hear it. It's just relentless. It's in this big circle. And yet 30% of Americans believe that it's okay to abort a baby for no other reason than because that baby has Down syndrome. Well, thank God for the 70%. We should find hope here. And once again, it sure seems like a lot of people who self-apply the term pro-choice, as we talked about earlier in this discussion, they're not really on the same page with what they mean by that is not really on the same page as what the abortion industry's definition of choice is. So there's this disconnect on how do you define what pro-choice is as in the context of how people are self-identifying themselves. Right here is this massive opportunity to move the culture in the direction of life. It just gets back to what I've said frequently over the years, and that is that all these terms like diversity and inclusion, even you know, fighting against bullying and all of these things, we toss out there into our cultural discussions, and we've allowed groups to own those words, and yet all of these apply. Every single one of these apply to unborn children. If you're, you are a social justice person that's concerned about diversity, inclusion, and stopping bullying, then you've got to be opposed to aborting kids who are being aborted for no other reason. They're, they're being picked on, they're being singled out, they're being destroyed for no other reason than Down syndrome. Most people understand this, and that's why 70% say it shouldn't happen. Next up, And this is looking like it's going to be a two-part episode, I'm just saying. But 8 in 10 Americans believe laws can protect both a pregnant woman and her unborn child. As in 80%, 8 out of 10. As in absolute cultural landslide on this question. Now, here's the key takeaway on this. This is right in the wheelhouse of loving every mom and every baby no matter what. When you get right down to it, the concept of love times two, loving mom and baby, is what 8 in 10 Americans think can happen and should happen. That's what we learn in this question. Now, we really need to be wise and really careful here because I just got to go here with this. There are some socially progressive groups that would nod in agreement here. They would nod in agreement that, yes, we we should have laws that protect both mom and baby. 
They, they would agree with that. Yet their actions tell a different story. So in these cases, you might hear someone say that they support the right to life of an unborn baby, but that this baby's life is just one of 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 different issues that all need to be taken into account equally. So putting this in very real terms as best I can, let's just say, for instance, okay, the push for a $15 minimum wage is supposed to be on equal footing with protecting the right to life of an unborn baby. Now, where does that lead? I mean, if we're going to go down that path and say that, hey, that $15 minimum wage issue, that should be debated on equal footing with protecting the life of the unborn. Where does that lead? It leads to justifying support for supporters of abortion who would say we should use our tax dollars to pay for abortions. They would say we should use our tax dollars to pay for abortions overseas. They will say you know, there should be no restrictions on aborting a child with Down syndrome. And they're given a pass because this same person is pushing for a $15 minimum wage. Okay, So you don't give a pass on something like that. Yet I see this happening all the time. And you can apply all kinds of similar scenarios here. You can look at the front page of today's paper, if anyone reads the paper, and see scenarios just like I'm talking about. I'm just saying the right to life of a baby is paramount. Let's protect these kids and then have all the debate and discussion in the world that we want to have on minimum wage and what it should be and all that other kind of stuff. If you don't have a right to life, your wages will mean nothing because nothing else matters if someone else can take your life away. If they can take your life away and they can count your life as meaning nothing, they can take everything from you. That's the problem in those scenarios. Now, I know this is going to be a two-part episode. Uh, Really quickly, next up, 65% of Americans want Roe versus Wade to be reinterpreted. Now, here's a key takeaway on this. I have no idea. But I think the truth here is that most Americans don't even know what Roe versus Wade actually says. And, and they sure don't know what Doe versus Bolton says, which was the companion case for Roe versus Wade. So I think that what we see here is actually a majority of Americans who are deeply conflicted on the abortion issue, and they want what they understand to be some sort of significant Supreme Court ruling. They want it to be redone or reworked so they won't be as conflicted as they are right now. Does that make any sense? I don't know. I mean, I seriously don't think this majority of Americans has analyzed and read the Roe versus Wade decision and somehow, from a constitutional perspective, believe that the court should reevaluate and come up with a different definition. I just don't think that's the case at all. Roe versus Wade has become a buzzword or a buzz phrase. Just like anytime you get into a discussion on abortion, automatically it goes on autopilot into a discussion of politics, Democrat, Republican, what's happening, all this kind of stuff in, in Congress, what's happening wherever. It immediately, by default, goes into politics in the same way Roe versus Wade, when people hear it, even if they have no concept of what it really, 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 truly means, most Americans don't get the full picture. They don't understand the legal ramifications. They don't understand uh, the depth of abortion and when it's available in the United States. All they know is that they're conflicted. They want it fixed. Roe v. Wade is the buzz phrase they hear. So yes, this majority of 65% say rework it. Rework it to take away this conflict that we have on this issue. So that's what I really think that that um, that 65% means. As we can see through all of these questions being asked in this poll, Americans remain very, very conflicted. And that's the key point of this entire discussion. America remains conflicted on this issue. You can't say that about a lot of other issues that have already reached the cultural tipping point. Life is a tipping point 
that has yet to fall in the United States. This is why it's so important, so crucial, so critical, so urgent right now to realize that this issue is still hanging in the balance. And whoever, by whoever, I mean whoever on either side of the abortion debate, whoever wins the cultural tipping point first and captures the hearts and minds of Americans on this will win the battle. And that's what this discussion is all leading towards. That's what I'm trying to get through with this. This is why we formed Love Times too, because whoever changed the culture and the politics will follow. You've heard me say that time and time and time again. Let's wrap up part one, because we are definitely going to have a two-parter here. And uh, let's wrap up part one. So let's wrap up part one, and we're going to talk about the other poll next time. So I thought this would be maybe get it all in one. We're going to break it into two different episodes. So what are we supposed to do with all of this? How are we supposed to process everything that I just talked about in the last few minutes? That actually is a great question. So I encourage you, I'm going to encourage you to work through all of that yourself with full knowledge of where the culture is at right now and what the laws actually mean and what it means when viewed in the context of every human life being created in the image of God. Here's what I think we're seeing. And this has been consistent over the years. Most Americans really don't have any idea about the full extent to which abortions occur. And most Americans don't want their tax dollars paying for abortions. Most Americans will lean towards a pro-choice label as a self-identifier because it sounds very freedom-oriented, but most Americans really don't mean they're in favor of choosing an abortion without any type of restraint. Hey, what we just talked about is a snapshot of the conflicted middle ground that keeps America in a constant state of tension on the topic of abortion. This is why when you mention the A word in any type of social setting, the tension in the room is going to noticeably increase. This is a conflicted middle ground. And this is where the cultural tipping point will be won or lost. Hey, that's it for this episode. I've given you a whole lot to think about in this one. And uh, in part two of this, we're going to talk about it, an entirely different poll. But be sure to share this episode with your friends. Be sure to give this podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2, dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.